What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to do during these times. Today, we got a special show. We got a special one. We got a doctor on the show, guys. Like, we, we're making it big time now. We got a doctor on the show. We are really leveling up this thing. However, our guest is a doctor of literature and communication, something that I have a problem with every once in a while, you know, but yet I still do a podcast. I don't know why, but you know, it is what it is. She has been featured on Forbes, Fox Business, Yahoo Finance. I mean, she's been everywhere. Like if you're into business of any kind, you've probably seen her face on something and many other media outlets for her special way of presenting information. A publishing company has produced six Amazon bestsellers. Again, guys, we're in the we're in the big leagues now. Like this ain't no small time things. Like she's doing big things. She specializes in training on marketing, professional writing, and helping businesses with their search engine optimization. So she decided she gracious gracing us with her presence today, guys. So please help me if you're not already clapping. You should be clapping right now in the background. Like. Please help me to welcome Dr. Marissa Schwartz to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Marissa. Thank you. Your energy is incredible. My gosh. I want to make your voice like an alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But I appreciate you for coming on the show. And uh, before we get into anything else, uh, first, I just want, I like asking this question just to kind of learn a little bit more about our guest that we can't easily google about you so can you tell us a little bit about yourself that we couldn't have found on like wikipedia or i couldn't find find on your website so something a little bit personal about yourself that's a great question um shoot i put a lot of my life out there on social and all that <laughs> i was gonna start talking about my dogs but they're all over my instagram um something that isn't easily google oh okay uh so i went to clown camp when i was eight years old and uh i i wanted to make people happy i wanted to make them laugh and i thought what better way than through clowns and then fast forward i don't know 15 years everybody's afraid of clowns so that <laughs> didn't work out so that's why i went down this other path <laughs> yeah i don't even what what happened with clowns i know like no kid i don't i don't know a single kid that's like yeah I, at my birthday party i want a clown to show up i just even for me growing up i was like i don't like clowns i don't know maybe it's all the different movies of scary clowns that we've seen recently yeah i think so i i know for me like i had a clown at my sixth birthday and the kids stomped on her feet and were so nasty to her oh, and man. i'm like who doesn't like clowns and yeah it just seems like the clown hate got worse and worse as the years went on yeah it's just it's definitely not the same i think it kind of ruined everybody with clowns and ever since then it's just been like we don't like clowns anymore please do not have clowns around here yeah, <laughs> but that's all good. But thank you so much once again for joining the show today. And I'll just start off with this question. Um, just to learn a little bit more about you. What drove you to want to get into P uh, literature? What drove you into wanting to just go all the way to getting your PhD in literature? Because that's not like, you know, sometimes you start something, you finish your bachelor's program. Like for me, I finished my bachelor's and I was like, yeah, I'm done with school. But you took that next step. You're like, I'm not just getting my master's, but I'm going to take the next step of getting my PhD in literature. So what drove you to that? 
Well, I actually, I started out in biomedical sciences and I was going to become a medical doctor. And I realized though, you know, I would speed through my biomedical science work so I could work on my novels. And that was when I realized, man, I think I have a different passion besides biomedical yeah. sciences. Like, you know, so then in, in college, you know, I, I changed, I became a, an English major and I really enjoyed that. I, I started writing, I entered writing competitions and just loved reading and writing and all of that. Um, and I had published my first book, uh, right. Well, actually I published my first book in high school, but that was self-published. I traditionally yeah. published my first book right when I graduated college. And that experience made me like, oh man, I gotta do more of this. This is really cool. <laughs> so when I was getting my master's, um, I was writing for entertainment weekly at the time. And the dream was, oh, I'll move to New York. I'll become an editor at entertainment weekly. And then I realized, oh shoot, that's a big commute. I don't want to live in New York city. Like there was a lot of stuff to, I'm like, all right, let, let's change this up a little bit. Um, I like books. Let's work that way and that that brought me to you know wanting to help authors and work on that and then the doctorate came because i had always dreamed of having a doctorate at one point i thought yeah. i was gonna be a medical doctor but i wanted to be dr schwartz my father uh, always had this dream for me that one day we would go to a restaurant and he would say reservations for dr schwartz and everybody would think oh he's dr schwartz and they would point to me and be like no that's dr schwartz so that's awesome. i don't know <laughs> i always had that in my mind um to do that uh which is a really silly reason to go for a phd so that wasn't the whole reason it was just uh, you know a fun little fantasy there um, I think what really drove me though is just a love for literature, written word, and the ability to make real changes through your writing. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I mean, one of the things I always talk to people is like sometimes you start down a certain path and then you end up going a completely different path after you discover something that just is different. Like similar to you when I was in college as well, I, I was driven mostly by my mom who wanted me to like become a doctor as well. And I started down that path, but then it was just kind of like I started loving physics more and more and more. So I went down the path to become an engineer, but it's just, you find those little things that just stand out where it's like, you know what, there's something, there's something special about this thing that just ignites and it just kind of clicks with me. And you're able to put up with all the difficulties as you're going, because I bet going down that road of trying to get your PhD and going, learning all these things, writing and editing and doing all the other things while doing that at the same time, it definitely was not easy. I bet. No, what prepared me though was the biomedical science program. Yeah. I remember just having a sigh of relief in college, like, man, this is so much easier than biomed. Like the, the English, <laughs> like in biomed, like you were taking tests and memorizing, uh, you know, a hundred bones a day, and and just it was nothing but studying. And then in college, it's like, oh, I just have to write an essay on something I read. Cool, I can do that. I don't have to memorize <laughs> a bunch of stuff. So that was a relief. But I'm the kind of person I don't like to be bored and just have like nothing going on so yeah. i was doing that and since i had so much extra free time from not doing biomed um that was when i started my companies and yeah then that became a lot and very busy running the companies while getting my doctorate was yeah. not easy and now that i graduated it's still not easy because of course i can't have idle time so i started all these other like additions to the company and started growing our teams and i'm just a, a mad woman so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's beautiful but uh going back you mentioned earlier that you published your first book while in high school. First of all, that's a lot of us when we're in high school, weren't thinking about publishing books. A lot of us were thinking about doing a whole lot of other not so good stuff with our times. And we spent it doing a lot of things we shouldn't have been doing. But what was the book about? And then what was your experience of just writing it and doing that and putting it out? And what was the, what was just that experience of you doing that? 
Yeah, so the book was called A Career in Contest. It's, uh, I entered a lot of contests as a, a in middle school and high school. Um, and I learned a lot of strategies to winning them. So like magazine contests, you know, they have like little sweepstakes, like send this postcard in yeah. when tickets to the Jonas Brothers concert. Like I mm -hmm. did those and I won a bunch of them because like wow. there were different strategies, like design your postcard with stickers, like it worked. So I wrote a book about how to win those. The book is terribly outdated now because <laughs> they don't, there aren't magazines like that with sweepstakes, but yeah. at the time, it was pretty neat. And I had also broken a world record for making the world's longest chain of bracelets at the time. So that was my way of promoting the book. And it was to me like, oh, that's the ultimate contest that will show people, hey, we should really read this book because she, uh, you know, broke a world record. Yeah, That was my idea. But in actuality, it didn't turn out like that. Like I self-published. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about marketing. So, I, you know, I published on CreateSpace, which is now KDP. It's Amazon's publishing platform. Mm -hmm. And like maybe... A dozen friends and family read it like that was it and i'm like oh man so it was a great lesson and that's why now i work so hard in marketing people's books because i learned yeah. what happens when you don't market it and you're just a high school kid who assumes everybody's gonna read it yeah but, yeah so that was actually something i was gonna ask later on on the world uh on the guinness world record how was what was that experience like like I've heard people talk about like breaking a world record. Do they like come out to visit you and do they come out and take all the pictures and do all the whole nine to like ensure? And is there like some guy with glasses on there like counting everything, like making sure, hey, is this accurate? Is this the right bands for this thing? So how was that whole experience? Yeah, it's a lot more paperwork than you would think. Like literally 200 pages worth of paperwork. Now, as far as the actual people coming out, you have to pay for them to come out. And I was a high school wow. kid who, couldn't afford, you know, it was a few thousand dollars. I'm like, yeah, I can't. And they're, and they're located in the UK. So you have to cover that. I'm like, yeah, no, not doing that. So what <laughs> I had to do instead was get my own certified people. So I had my high school principal and the editor of our local newspaper come to the house and physically count the stuff and be my eyewitnesses. Then I had to have a notary sign off on their stuff. I had to literally film myself for 72 hours making the bracelets because it took me 72 hours wow. to put them all together. So I had to film myself, send that footage in so that they could see I personally made everything and uh yeah then I had to wait literally a year for all that stuff to be verified by them wow that's a that's a whole process and speaking of that going through that whole process I think that shows like your resilience and your persistency and then I'll just I just want to ask how that has played a role into just you starting your company and starting your different businesses and how that has just affected you going into the future I, you mentioned earlier you don't like idle time you don't like just sitting around how is that played a role just in you continually building yourself out and building up just everything around you. Yeah, I, I definitely, when you said resilience, yeah. Um, I, you face a lot of rejection in this industry. You know, you, you send out proposals to clients every day and you know, not all of them say yes, even though you want them to, not all of them say yes. So you do have to get a pretty thick skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it and, and you have to learn how to follow up. So with, uh, Guinness, Luckily, my mom taught me how to follow up. She kept following up with them and calling them and emailing them and showing me, okay, this is how you follow up with somebody when you want something. And that stuck with me. So now if I send a proposal to a client and I haven't heard from them, I'm going to call them. I'm going to email them and be like, hey, do you have any questions? So it is, it, resilience comes in handy in business and in everything that you're doing. Even if you're looking for a job or something like, you know, when I started out, I was just a freelancer. I would, there was my first big client I got only because I would Skype them every day because they had a 
need for somebody to edit their video uh, scripts. And every yeah. day I would just go on Skype and be like, hey, Doug, uh, just checking in. And it, because and he literally told me that it took about a month, about a month later, he says, you know, the only reason that we're hiring you is because of how persistent you were and it turned into a huge con, my first really big contract. So yeah, it, resilience pays for itself. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's really that speaks volumes about you. And I guess that's one of the things I know you train other speakers. I know you speak publicly and I know you train other people just about part of their marketing strategy and part of the ways that they go about ensuring that they're able to get that business. But I'm, I'm guessing that's like one of the core strategies that you try to show and tell people to just to stay on top of things and not just allow it to just kind of, eh, you know, it may happen, it may not happen and just kind of let it be. A hundred percent. I have a team as well. And so many of them come in and, you know, you say, you can tell them follow up. They don't know what that means. So I have to literally train them and make CRMs for them to like go through and say, okay, it's Thursday. I need to follow up with this one, this one, this one. Yeah. So important. So how do you go about that? Do you have like a to-do list that you keep on a regular basis? Do you have like a Gantt chart that's like, at this point in time, I should have followed up with this guy, this guy, and this guy, this must have been checked in process. How do you go about making sure, making up those processes and setting those things in place? Yeah, so we use Asana. We used to yeah. use Trello, and I personally used to do it, but as a team, we use Asana and we have it set up like a CRM. So, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, these are cold leads. These are leads that we need to follow up with. And then we have a due date. And on that due date, you just go to your to-do list and see, oh, okay, it's Thursday. I need to follow up with John. And then we have our follow-up number two list. And then there's our, okay, this client is ghosting us. Let's reach out to them in a month or, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's, uh, that's one thing that I'm learning how to do is just to like, write stuff down a lot of times because it's like you you say stuff in your mind but then at the end of the day it's just kind of like like my dad says it says it's better to have a dull pencil than a sharp mind because you're gonna forget something it's just better to just write everything down to keep track of what you have going on that's like i have not heard that one that's a great one and it's i just read something yesterday um oh I'm, what was that book it's a great book i can't think of the name of it uh, I'll remember, but um, it, he said in there that humans are basically offloading their minds to the computer. So if I didn't have my to do list where I could just like type up, it's so true. It's like a backup for your brain. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, one of the things I was reading, I was reading some of your articles that you had. And one thing that really stood out to me, you had an ability to kind of, in an article, I was reading one of your articles, you had an ability to kind of pull you into the article to kind of capture my attention while I was reading the article. And then all of a sudden I'm like, next one and next one and next one. So I just wanted to ask you, what is it like when you're writing an article? Cause I'm not good at writing. Like writing is not a skill that I have, but what is it or how are you able to take the thoughts in your head and then phrase it in such a way where you're able to say something that makes somebody go, wait, I need to know more about that. And what makes certain app articles have that ability to stand out versus other articles? Yeah, uh, call to actions are super important. Um, I, I learned that a little bit later in life, you know, I like just, oh, you just write for the fun of it, but you need to write in a way that's going to pe keep people's attention because yeah. online, so many things are pulling them in other mm -hmm. ways. So, um, you know, starting with something that's going to evoke emotion uh, is what keeps them reading. So if you ask them a question or if you have a, an emotion such as fear, excitement, yeah. um, love, it's going to keep them reading more if it's evoking that emotion in them. Uh, and then give them value in the actual article and then close it with a strong call to action. That's going to give them something, give them a to-do list item to do. Yeah. Yeah. What has been the most, I guess, the most effective emotion that you've noticed has been like, 
if I use this, if I talk about this one thing, people tend to react whether positively or negatively uh, on a certain subject. It depends on the person. I think we all react differently. It's almost like I went to get a personal trainer and I had my choice of, did I want the person who was going to you know, be really tough and evoke mm -hmm. fear in me? No, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not motivated <laughs> by fear. I'm more no motivated by excitement. You know, yeah. So I want the person who's going to be really friendly and make it fun for me. So I think mm -hmm. it's the same thing with articles. So you know, I kind of change my, uh, I think of a different audience uh, when I do my videos or my articles because um, I'm active on TikTok and it's the same thing on, on TikTok as yeah. articles like start with that strong emotion and you know go from there. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So switching up lanes a little bit, um, a lot of what we talked about and a lot of things that you've done is just kind of around the idea of entrepreneurship. So and you talked about writing a book, going through the whole process of the Guinness World uh, Record and all of that. So is entrepreneurship something that even as a young uh, child, you've always been interested in where you always, I, I always use the example of where you always the kid that maybe bought candy bar and then sold it on the playground to other kids on the playground just to have a little bit of extra money or what exactly ignited that entrepreneurship spirit in you? Was it your family? Was it friends? What, what was it that has always brought that up in you? Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in my parents' mom and pop carpet shop. So they own uh, floor covering stores. And the first time I was there, I was a week old. And my mom always tells the story of how she had me in her arms and she was throwing down carpet samples to show wow. the, the customers. But I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Uh, actually, in preschool, our preschool graduation, they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to own the world's first dollar store slash dancing school hybrid. Because I love dancing. I love dollar stores. <laughs> but that was the only inkling that I gave of entrepreneurship. After that, I kept saying I want to be a medical doctor. I want to be a lawyer. But I always did entrepreneurial things. Like uh, at age eight, I got really into collecting Mighty Beans and you, you know, the whole point of it was to collect a set and you would get duplicates. So I realized that the only way I was going to be able to get a full set was to sell my duplicates and purchase the ones that I needed. So I started my, I've had my PayPal since I was eight years old. I started selling Mighty Beans wow. on eBay at eight so I could complete my sets. And that was e-commerce. And I had no idea. I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur. I just thought, oh, this is something fun I'm doing. Yeah. Same thing with like the contests. And I started selling jewelry at street fairs. I just thought that, oh, these are hobbies. I never thought, oh, this is entrepreneurial until you look back and you go, in retrospect, I was always an entrepreneur. I just didn't think of it that way because in school, they don't talk to you like you mm -hmm. can be an entrepreneur. They talk to you like, oh, when you get a job, oh, yeah. when you get an internship. So it didn't dawn on me that there was, I could be an entrepreneur like my parents. Like I literally thought, okay, I'll be working in a nine to five office my whole life. And that's just how life is. And uh, I, I think schools are getting better with that, but I do think, you know, they need to make it clear to kids, you can be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So what's one of the, I guess, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the W2 nine to five world and doing that whole thing. But my question has always been like, what's one of the things that in the entrepreneurship world has been like kind of one of the greatest benefits versus a nine to five uh, area of like one of the things that you're like, I will never go back to a nine to, I will never do a nine to five because of this one thing that I have that I can do during my entrepreneurship or as an entrepreneur. Well, you know, what's funny. I, I say about all oh, the nine to five, but I work nine to five yeah. hours just because it's easy. It makes yeah. the most sense. That's when everybody else is working. But I do like that. The flexibility, like Friday, um, my mother wanted to go to this garden that she had never been to. And I thought, can that wait? You know, can, can my work wait this Friday afternoon? I'm going to take my mother to the garden. So I, I took off for a few hours to go to the garden with her. I couldn't have done that just on a whim that was working for somebody. And it didn't hurt me. I just caught up on work and working a couple extra hours today. No big deal. 
Um, so that's a huge perk. You can have more flexibility for your family. The same thing with like the folks who work for me, uh, you know, they have a lot more flexibility. They have families, they can, can do all that fun stuff. So that's great. I also like that I'm working for my own cause, you know, yeah. working for somebody that, that you don't know what they're doing with what you're producing, but here I know, you know, okay, we're supporting this, we're supporting that. If I don't want to work with somebody, like we had a, uh, a company that sells like these Powerade kind of drinks and they're like, oh, tell people about the amazing medical health benefits of it. And I'm like, no, we, we can't buy, <laughs> you know, if I was working yeah. for somebody, I might have to do something like that, but here I can make those decisions. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then just uh, thinking back to just the entrepreneurship journey that you've been on, have you noticed has it gotten easier as you've done it longer or has it gotten harder as you've gone along on the journey as you, uh, through your lifetime so far? Yes to both. Uh, some of them have gotten way easier and some have gotten way harder. So um, my father told me the, the day I, I incorporated my company, he said, there's going to be something that goes wrong every single day. And I'm like, yeah, okay, dad, sure. That sounds terrible. He was so right. In fact, it's more than one thing that goes wrong every day. So because it's been longer, yes, I'm able to anticipate and know, okay, something's going to go wrong today. But because we're growing, it's gotten a lot harder because there's always several things. But yeah. I think you just you can handle these things better the longer you go through it. That's cool. That's cool. And then even just like learning how to handle those things. I was listening to a podcast from uh, Gary V. And one of the things you were saying was one thing you learned very quickly, especially last year and the thing that happened last year, how were you able to react? And did you have to pivot, especially for you being a public speaker, how were you able to react and then pivot your business to be able to meet the demands of the market as it changed? And once again, it's changing again. But how were you able to change to meet those needs and those demands? Yeah, well, with public speaking, I had three in-person events lined up. I rescheduled two of them to be Zoom. So fine by me, you know, I just do nice. it with my computer. The other one, they were a little more old-fashioned. They just canceled it. But that was cool. Um, but with my uh, marketing company, I mean, we mm -hmm. lost about half of our clients at the wow. beginning of it because yeah. they were small businesses. They didn't have mm -hmm. money coming in. So we pivoted to help um, more medical, uh, medically inclined clients. So we start working with like chiropractors, natural healing practitioners, um, a lot more than ever before, just because they were the ones working in, in business. Yeah. And now we're back to our old thing where, yeah, we still have a lot of medical clients, but we also work with a lot of small businesses because now they're opening again. Yeah, so um, how, is, how is that experience working with so many different diverse uh, types of clients? Because I, I don't know, in my head, I'm very, maybe it's because of what I do right now, I get tunnel visioned of like, this is how you react to this situation for this type of thing. But how are you able to like, because I know just going from just the example you just gave of like chiropractor versus different medical clients, it's, I know it's completely different versus a sports drink. It's like those are two distinct clients. So how are you able to take that and then be able to like, okay, this is how we're going to treat this client. This is what we need to work on this client. How are you able to just work with both parties and all those parties at the same time? Yeah, um, a few, I mean, just being uh, open-minded, knowing how to do research and adapt quickly. We also have a pretty good onboarding process where we interview them and try to understand, but I also have a great team. So, yeah. you know, certain members of my team have experience, more experience working with authors than say medical folks. And some have more experience with like sports rather than, you know, whatever. So we put the folks who have certain experiences on those yeah. uh, as often as we can. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, okay, that's good to know. Because I was just like, if you're coming up with all these different ideas, I'm like, man, that's a lot on one person's plate. It is. Yeah, no, thank gosh for my team. Oh, that's cool. Uh, 
not to take up too much more of your time, but I just have a couple more questions and a couple more, uh, I guess, fun questions that I like to ask before we get out of here. One, who was your favorite writer in high school? Hmm. Ooh, in high, see, that's a tough one. High yeah, school. I, I, I try I, to, I try to stop my guests because it can't be too easy. Yeah, I, I guess in high school I would say, oh boy, I had two. Um, Anthony Burgess is one. I loved in a Clockwork Orange and a lot of his books how he would play with language. Um, in high school, though, I actually I read Clockwork Orange part of it and then I stopped because I'm like, what is this nonsense? But then I did research, I read more about it, I'm like. Oh, okay. I see what he's doing here. And then I got into it and it was uh, really just, I, I love the, the language play. Um, but I also really liked Rod Serling in high school. I read all of his scripts for like Twilight Zones, both uh, that aired and didn't air. Like he has literally books of scripts that were published. And I just thought that was so cool. And then he has a bunch of short stories. So I was obsessed with that as well. That's cool. What's one author that you're reading right now that you would, or that you're reading right now that you automatically recommend to every single person that, hey, if they ask you like, oh, what's your favorite book at the time? What's what's that one book that you're going to give away? I'm going to research his name. Okay, his name. So I, I am reading. Well, I just finished it last night. Um, Sapiens by, I don't want to mess up his oh, name. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. Yuval heard Noah this. Harari. I, I might have just butchered his name, but um, amazing. He was the one who I just quoted before where I, I said about... Um, uh, that we're uploading our brains. Mm-hmm. Brilliant book. There's a sequel. My friend is reading it. I, I have to read it. It's just basically about the history of humankind or, or yeah. mankind. It's so good. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that is basically the, all the time that we have for today. And I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Is there any last pieces of advice that you would like to share with our audience before uh, you get out of here, especially with all those who are trying to start something new, especially after the pandemic? A lot of people are are looking out and saying, hey, you know what? I want to give my hand to this entrepreneurship thing. I want to trust out just trying something new. How? What's a piece of advice on like marketing or just in general of just staying consistent that you would like to give to the audience today? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is not to be afraid. A lot of people get paralyzed by fear. If you're afraid that your work isn't good enough, so you don't put it out there. I mean, don't put out like nonsense that you spent two seconds on, but yeah. put out content consistently and don't overthink it uh you know uh, people first of all people are scrolling so fast on social media they're not looking at as closely as you probably think they are (laughs) um again not to put out crap but don't it doesn't have to be the a work of art every time um and also know your platform so you know and, and don't be afraid of new platforms so i started on tiktok uh about a year and a half ago and everybody said why are you going on tiktok there are just kids there but there are not just kids. There are huge audiences of all different groups. I started on YouTube about 10 years ago. I got collected maybe 20,000 views on YouTube for the past 10 years. TikTok, I got 4 million views just in the past two months. Posting the same kind of content, it's just people can see you. So don't be afraid to try something new and go against the grain. And I'm yeah. glad like something like TikTok does. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great advice. I know I, I tell people like just uh, I, there's a guy on YouTube, he Think Media. He always says just just re- press record. Like you just yeah. got to start. Like you and a lot of people are so scared of like making a mistake or if not looking good. It's just like look, we all suck. Like whether you like it or not, you're gonna start and you're gonna suck. Like you're not gonna be good. You're not about to be a superstar out of here. But you just gotta start it. So I definitely appreciate you coming on. I thank you so much for your advice. 
guys, 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 please go check her out. I'm gonna put a link to everything, all her books, all uh, her website, some of her seminars that she's done, some of the articles that she's written. I'm gonna put all of that in the show notes. So go check her out. I know I've enjoyed and I've learned a few tips on how to market myself. How to, and even though I'm not necessarily an entrepreneur per se, but I've learned a few tips of how to just speak to people a little better just to put myself in a better frame. And I'm sure everyone can get one, maybe two things out of this. So definitely, please go check her out. I'm gonna put that in the show notes. And thank you so much once more time. And I'm gonna have to call you doctor because man, this it's just a special thing for me to have a doctor on the show. So <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Marissa, for coming on the show today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, guys, once again, that's all we have for this episode. Thank you all for listening. I hope you learned one, maybe two things. And really, you should have learned like three, four, five, six, seven, on and on and on to infinity number of things today. But I appreciate you all for listening. I'm going to catch you all up on the next time. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And we out. Peace. <laughs>